otherwise on SAFM. Marjorie Naidu joins me in the studio. Thank you for coming in, actually. You know, I don't, I don't often get visitors that come in. I'm talking to people on the phone all the time. Yeah. And it's wonderful to have you here. World Design Capital is upon us, and it's running until the end of the year. That's right. And this exhibition is part it's of it. part of it, yes. We're very proud to be to have a project that's starting so well. Well, it, it, it is beautiful, firstly, to look at. I, just, I looked at the catalogue yesterday and I see you've got a copy here, but tell us about it. What is it really? Well, we, we were trying to find a vehicle to portray design and making, mm-hmm. and actually through the ages, starting from antiquity and bringing us into the present. Mm-hmm. And one of the curatorial teams suggested that we use food as the vehicle, and when we examined that, it was too broad, so we narrowed it down to the storage and preservation of food. Uh-huh which is object-based. And because we were partnering with Ezeko, that enabled us to draw a lot of things out of the mothballs mm-hmm. and display really exquisite objects. But all of them have got to do with the storage of different kinds of foods. Mm-hmm. But then as we traversed the, the timeline, we got into the industrial era. And um, design and making started to get a whole different dimension for us because from handmade and specific materials there, we went into machine-made and all kinds of new materials that started to mm-hmm. develop. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was the most fascinating journey because then bringing us into the current time and again still thinking about food and storage, we started to discover exploding cities, exploding world populations, different kinds of foods that are being actually produced and how does it get stored. And we found that that food started to get different dimensions as well mm-hmm. through this time. So it wasn't just a necessity. It wasn't just something that got traded. It became a luxury to some people and others just, you know, really hard to get hold of food sometimes. Mm-hmm. So we were very aware of the kind of downside and a negative side of things, all the challenges around that. And then food as an industry, a massive industry that traverses the globe and has to feed cities and keep cities healthy so that the population doesn't, you know, they, they're functional. Mm-hmm. And then food as a science, because now with the packaging, and especially futuristic packaging, you start getting the interaction between food and the packaging itself. And they kind of speak to each other and they kind of help us think. And then these food is an art form. Wow. And an experience, you know, so there's these layers of meaning in food. Did we and find any commonalities between uh, the, the, the olden days, really, you know, the, the way things were designed in the olden days? Because obviously we didn't have refrigeration, we didn't have all of those kinds of things. Yeah. But is there a thread that runs through it? Well, what we found that became the most significant thread for us is what we call technological moments. Mm-hmm. And um, so in the very early days... There was fire and there was salt Mm -hmm. that helped to preserve food and helped it to last longer. And then there was glass. And when glass blowing started to be perfected and things could, and it was visible, you could actually see what was in Mm -hmm. the glass. Mm -hmm. And then later on, the canning technique got born. And then came the energy revolution, which is the industrial revolution. And that just changed so much mm-hmm. of our lives. Because everything could happen faster. Different materials were being discovered, different making methods. Mm-hmm. Then canning with tin 
became, became yeah. like really not not just saying popular, but like the in thing, and then plastic as a side product of petro, petroleum, mm-hmm. and then cardboard being used in in the storage and preservation and sto- and transport of food. It's also a really big thing, and then we looked at packaging in the future. So technological moments seemed to us the catalyst that kept moving us, mm-hmm. and the designer. You see, because what we were really tracking was the role of design through all of this. I mean, it's design, world design, mm-hmm. but but we realized design was the most ancient occupation of man. They would have challenges, they would find solutions, another challenge would present itself, they would find another solution. And so whether they lived in hot climates or cold climates, mm-hmm. there were these design challenges to overcome. Mm-hmm. And that has continued throughout the ages. So, um, and, and the designer's role is never going to stop because we, I mean, what has happened re- sort of in our current lifespan is enormous amount of waste and pollution. What I was going to say, does it, how does it affect our environment, you know, yeah. with, with all these designs? And, and do they take that into account when they, when they well, design? Well, now they have to. Mm-hmm. Now, you see, it's again, so the, so, the, so the solution, a very cute solution like plastic packaging mm-hmm. and whatever in, in various forms has become a problem. So the next thing, uh, you know, in a rhythm is yes. a solution. That's a got solution that has... So, yeah. So very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Who should come to this exhibition? It's... Well, just to tell you that, I mean, at the one end of the exhibition, it's a narrative. It's in this long 50-meter gallery, the Goodhope Gallery at the castle. Mm-hmm. And it starts with an Ezeka product, and it ends, actually, with handmade objects, again, all from the Western Cape, that all take their inspiration from food storage, but none of them can actually be used for that. <laughs> so they've actually become artwork. So we've managed to combine craft and design and art in one, <laughs> in one narrative. And down the center of the room are these technological moments that are being mm. displayed as sculptural works. And it is just so imaginative. So, and these, they are part of it, of the exhibition that are interactive as well. So that means school children will love it. Mm-hmm. It's not just old, it's not just, it's very modern. These iPads that can play on, these videos that, that tell the story. Ordinary citizens of, of the city, it will, it will just make a normal activity of our lives so meaningful, mm-hmm. you know, that, like, because we live from, from fridge to microwave, yes, you know, yes. and, and, and suddenly you see the big picture and how our lives fit into history. And then tourists will love it because we have had an opening and the guests that came said it, it's kind of world class. It mm-hmm. could actually travel. Mm-hmm. And designers will find it inspiring. So, because they just started, they just said they, it just blew their minds open to so many possibilities and other ideas. And, um, yeah, so I think... Because we, you know, I, I can imagine we're talking mainly, as you've tracked it down, mainly the Western way and the historical way of doing things. But I, I'm thinking, and I, I see some of the designs as calabashes there, because in the rural areas, you know, there's still a lot of design to store food where there's no electricity, where there's no, um, so we don't have microwaves and fridges and all of those kinds of things. Right. So, and, and that's integrated into, into this as well. Yeah. So if one looks globally and not just Western, then even 
um, even that is layers. The development that has happened mm. is layered mm. because it's all still with us. Mm. Mm-hmm. As you were saying, I mean, in the rural areas, mm. they would still make p- a, a earth-fired clay pots mm-hmm. to store things in. They would still use calabashes or ostrich eggs for water. Or, yes. You know, so there's... So the, there's this historical layer, and I, I just I get goosebumps really <laughs> thinking of it because it puts your own life and your own situation in a historical context, and mm. you can see where you fit in, you can see where it's come from and where it's going. And, and you know, it explains the the reason why you choose certain things in your life. You know, yeah. when you go into when you're going to buy furniture, for instance, or when you're going shopping for for household stuff, yeah. you're attracted to a certain type of of, of material, material yeah. and a certain Kind look of and a shape and look and feel, yeah. but it then explains where you got it from because you yeah. probably saw it as a child years yeah. ago when parents were using it. Yeah. And how long is the exhibition? Well, it's going for five months till the middle of October, mm-hmm. so there's plenty of time, and we're expecting a lot of school groups to come through. But we're also and it's at the good tourist groups mm-hmm. yeah, at the castle and, and the Good Hope Gallery. Okay, and what time does it open? Nine thirty. The castle opens till four thirty, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they've got those hours. So it it. What does the Cape Craft and Design Institute got to do with it? Well, you know, we've been promoting craft and the handmade for the past 12 years. Mm-hmm. Just recently, we were, um, we've were we been appointed to promote the design strategy for the Western Cape. Mm-hmm. And as we sort of traversed this new ground, it kind of broadened, we realized, but actually we were involved with design all the time. Mm-hmm. Because as Erica Alt likes to say, the executive director of the CCDI, she says, there is design in craft and craft in design. Yes. So so we started to see the, the confluence of this. Um, so this, this narrative of the exhibition has just actually given us such a perfect opportunity to mm-hmm. explore that widening of the roles from handmade and again you know, into machine made and back into handmade in a sense because in a very fast paced world and very mechanized and very you know, slick, mm-hmm. we start to appreciate the handmade again, the slow moving and the, the beautiful objects, you know. And yeah, of course so in this climate where there's unemployment, I mean, it, it, yeah. it helps to go back to the handmade yeah, because then absolutely. a lot of people can, can yeah. find opportunities. Find up, yeah, and create and opportunities, the, yeah. And the marrying of the two, the yeah. design and, and, and the craft, yes, is really quite right. important. Yeah. So our courses that we offer, business and creativity courses, actually help people to improve their own design skills, um, you know, from whichever educational background they come, mm-hmm. and, and, and get to learn what the markets wants and how they can approach the market in their own individual style. You know, not just slavishly follow what what the market dictates, but actually give an input that is unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, how do, how does one become part of the Cape Craft and Design Institute? Well, actually, you just need to walk through our doors and <laughs> visit us. I mean, if you're digital, you can in, enroll on online and just join us, and then you will see the training courses, these marketing platforms you can be part of. We've got a um, experimental space, which we call our product support space, mm-hmm. where somebody that's got an idea can walk in from the street and come and play on a computer and with um, different machinery and produce a prototype product, mm-hmm. actually end up with a prototype product. So there are different ways, and you can come into the family stream from any direction, 
but it's really just making contact. Um, yeah. And, and you so are I could, online. I could give a website and I could yes, give please. a phone please number. Please do that. So the phone number is Cape Town 021-461-1488. And the website is www.ccdi.org.za. And it's only in Cape Town. Yes, well, we're funded mainly by the Western Cape Provincial Department, mm-hmm. but also by DTI for a specific products, yes. a project, and also by the City of Cape Town for specific projects. But we have a range of other funders for different activities. Well, thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to seeing the design and making the story of food. And it is out at the Castle of Good Hope. Uh, it started on the 12th and finishes on the 12th of October this year. And it is a collaboration between the Cape Craft and Design Institute and Izigo Museums of South Africa, of South Africa's Social History Collections Department. And it is perfect for, for the Cape Town World Design Capital 2014 program. So go out and visit. Thank you so much, Marjorie, for, for joining us. It's such a pleasure. We're back after this. Are you up to date with the world of property? For all things property, what are your rights as a property owner and or purchaser? Are you a tenant or the landlord and you need advice? What is the value of your investment in commercial property in South Africa? What matters are of importance in discussing land ownership? Trust us to simplify and help you understand the detail in all things property. Join me, Deneo Mulomo, every week on Tuesday morning on Morning Talk at 10.30. Otherwise, on SAFM. I'd like to say congratulations to Nina Murray Brewer, who is the winner of the Van Ryan's Award for Brandy Excellent. Hello, Nina. Hi, how are you doing? Is it Nina Marie? Nina Marie, yes. Nina Marie. Well done. Congratulations to you. Thank you very much. What does the win mean for you? Um, basically, I just graduated as a Cape One Master, and um, every year they give an award to um, the Cape One Master that um, did the best in the brandy module. Um, so basically, I did the best in my tasting exam and also in a written exam about spirits and brandy around the world. Where did this passion begin? Um, I was harvesting in a cellar in France, um, I think it was back in 2007, and I worked with a guy that was from Armagnac. And, um, Every day, everyone that worked at the winery would have lunch together. And after lunch was always the coffee in a little small espresso cup. And mm. the French drink their coffee usually without milk. And then the one day, um, um, he brought a bottle of Armagnac with him. And for those that don't know, Armagnac and Cognac are the most well-known brandies of the world. And um, he basically taught us that um, back where he's from, they, um, they pour a bit of Armagnac into the, the espresso cup. And um, I just loved it from there on. And then um, when I came back to South Africa, I introduced um, drinking almanac and cognac and brandies in this way um, to my family on a Sunday lunch. And that's basically how it started. Well, <laughs> so every, every Sunday you have a bit of almanac in your coffee. Not every Sunday, but every now and then, let's say. Um, so it's actually your coffee, um, you, you drink your coffee, and then after the coffee, there's maybe like a drop of coffee left. And... Um, that's basically how I started drinking it. But now we often drink it in a snifter um, just on its own. That's how I prefer it. So, 
No, I, th- I think, you know, I was talking to colleagues earlier and we, uh, we were saying, is brandy misunderstood a bit? Because, you, you know, we, there's brandy and coke, which does the rounds, right? And, and it seems like whiskey now has, has kind of overtaken brandy as far as uh, drinks are concerned or discerning drinkers will, will probably go for whiskey more than brandy. Is brandy misunderstood or the, the taste of it? Yes, I think so. I think a lot of people think brandy should only be drinking with Coke. And, um, yes, there's definitely a place for that. And, I mean, a lot of people love brandy and Coke. Mm-hmm. But brandy on its own is um, is absolutely amazing. And I think people haven't um, – I think maybe people just haven't thought about drinking brandy in that way. Um, if you weren't exposed to it, some people, um, yeah, they wouldn't even think of it. So, yes, I think there's definitely room for brandy to grow. And I think a lot of people also think brandy is just for men. Mm. And um, mm. that's also not true. Um, I love brandy. So um, I think there's definitely room to grow. And I, I know people of the Brandy Foundation are doing a lot to to try and get women to drink brandy. They're making new cocktails and things like that. And uh, um, I also think um, a lot of the time people think brandy um, has a lot more kilojoules, but it actually has exactly the same as whiskey. Mm-hmm. So everyone been trying to be healthier these days. Brandy is just as good as whiskey. So How does one acquire the taste? How should we try drinking brandy to know that we're getting the best taste out of it? Well, I think that's going to differ uh, that depends on um, the type of drinks that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. I personally like to enjoy it after dinner um, in a brandy snifter, a, a pot still brandy just on its own, um, whereas I know other people like enjoying it with water or a bit of soda water. Um, so, oh, And, I mean, people that like cocktails, I know they're making excellent cocktails these days. So I think it depends on what you enjoy. Do you like sweet? Do you like just... Plain, do you like purity? I think that depends on how you like your drink. Mm. And what's your best brandy that you think we okay, possibly from uh, Ryan's? Too right? many out there to choose my best brandy. <laughs> um, it depends on the occasion, and I mean, sometimes it's even with dessert. So, but I mean, I love the Fun Rain's 12 year, it's one of my favorites. You would, they just gave you an award. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's not just because they, they gave me an award. Um, I really like the 12 year. Um, I also like the Joseph Barry um, 10 year. Um, it's um, people from Barrydale. And, um, Do those years mean anything? Yes, the year means how, how old the youngest component in the brandy is. And um, that's what makes South African brandies um, quite special is um, our regulations are much stricter than it is in the rest of the world. Uh, for example, uh, South African brandy, even even the ones that um, you blend with your Coke, the, the pot still component has to have aged in wood for a minimum of three years, whereas cognac only needs to age for two years. And um, other parts of the world, the EU regulations say it only has to age for six months. So in South Africa, really, we really have the good stuff, and we're quite lucky to be able to have access to, to all of that. How long should we keep our brandy? Oh, brandy you can keep until the bottle is finished. <laughs> because of all the, the high alcohol, brandy doesn't go off. It's not like a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So brandy is preserved from the day you open it till the day you finish it. Okay. Now, are there any health benefits from drinking brandy? Well, I'm not quite an expert on that, but um, I know brandy has been used throughout history for medicinal purposes, and um, having having a baby, people have often given old wives' tales saying that if you <laughs> add a bit to their bath water at the end of the day, it helps, or teething problems you mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. put on their gums. Um, 
I, I, I know a lot of people that still put brandy on. Yes, on top I think, of and my husband swears by um, a hot toddy whenever he gets the flu. So adding a dash of um, brandy to um, to a disprin and a bit of uh, um, lemon. So mm. um, I think um, they say there are definitely health benefits to it. Um, I mean, it's uh, brandy is made from wine, so um, it also has antioxidant properties and cardiovascular, but I'm, I'm not an expert on that, so don't quote me. No, we'll, we'll go to a doctor and find yes, out. <laughs> but um, I think there are definitely, if, if you keep moderation um, in sight, I think there's, uh, there's definitely some benefits. So where to from here for you, Nana Marie? Um, well, I'm not actually sure. <laughs> I, um, I'm actually a winemaker, so mm-hmm. I don't make brandy. I just, um, I'm a keen brandy enthusiast. So I think if I can maybe expose brandy a bit more to, to my friends and family and um, get people to see the other side of brandy, I think it will be, be something good. You, you don't have dreams of having your own brandy? Not not currently, no. I mm-hmm. think there are a lot of other things that I need to do first, um, and it's not so easy to, to do that. But um, our, our farm that we, we stay on, um, my grandfather just told me yesterday that they did um, actually distill brandy um, at our farm many years ago, his grandfather, so I think that's about four generations ago. So they, I think there's definitely a potential for that, but it's not in the pipeline very soon. And do you have your own wine? Um, yes, we, we make wine, um, our farm um, on Blois, but we don't bottle our wine. So we ma- mainly sell our wines in bulk. Oh, you don't bottle them? No, we don't bottle. We used to um, bottle um, uh, quite a few years back. Um, Mont Blois, Muscadel, um used to do the rounds. and um, But unfortunately, my husband's father passed away, and when he passed away, he didn't see fit um, to carry on with the bottling. Oh. So um, now we're just making the wines and selling them in bulk. You're lucky to marry that man, eh? I know, very <laughs> lucky. <laughs> and because and I was going to ask, is it a difficult uh, industry to get into as a woman, you know, without having to marry the farm owner? Well, the thing is, um, yeah, we studied together, so that's kind of where I met my husband ah, and okay. um, got into the business. Um, but, no, the wine industry, I would say I've never been biased or discriminated against for being a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually when we studied at Stellenbosch um, University, we were probably about 40% women versus 60% uh, men. So, no, I can really not complain about that. Mm. Well, think. well, thank you so much and congratulations once more and hopefully one of these days. How do I taste the wines because you don't bottle them? Uh, no. So we, we, well, maybe one day. Um, hopefully sometime soon we will um, we will put something in bottle again. So. What's, what's your favorite wine? Favorite wine? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's also a difficult question. I don't have a favorite wine. I've got a wine for every occasion. So my ah. favorite wine is the wine that best suits the food that I'm eating or the mood that I'm in. So uh, that could be anything. <laughs> but but that whole myth about red wine going with red meat and white wine with fish is... is, is that's not true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I knew, I knew that. I just needed you to confirm it. Thank you so much, Nina Marie, for it's talking to us and well done. Hey? Thank you very much. It's nice speaking to you. You take care. All right. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Nina Marie Brewer, she is the Van Rijn's, uh winner. Of, she, won, she won the Van Rijn's Award for Brandy Excellence. And, yeah, I'm, I'm going to taste some brandy later and see what I think. It's now time for news headlines with Utsi Lesako. Otherwise, on SAFM. Now, I hear that Love and Prozac is the smash hit naughty comedy on dating in your 30s. 
has made a return season to Cape Town for, the, for a run at the Baxter's Golden Arrow Studio, started on the 13th and goes up until the 31st of May. And joining me now is uh, comedian Sonia Esquera. Hello, Sonia. Hello, how are you? Como esta? Muito bem, obrigada. I'm very impressed. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> but you made fun of being a poor, eh? I did. I made fun for about eight or nine years with my shows Poor and Poorlicious. It was um, <laughs> it was amazing. I still have people coming up to me almost every day. Um, I had some yesterday saying, "Please write a new one." And I think um, I think it's it's in this in um, it's coming next year. I'm busy developing it with Heinrich Reisenhofer. And you, tell us about tell us about uh, Love and Prozac. Love and Prozac is a, a pretty crazy, really funny comedy um, that I developed with my director, John Trengos. And it's essentially really about the horrors of dating in your 30s and 40s. Um, I'm I really the self-confessed um, titanic of the dating world. You know, I'm just awful at it. And, um, you know, the story came about. We turned it into an amplified biography, but essentially it, it's really everyone's story. And I think that's been the basis of the success of the show is that, you know, audiences are, you know, laughing their heads off and essentially they're just doing it at themselves because it's very universal. Everyone relates to it. Um, you know, we, 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 we go from speed dating to, uh, I play 13 different characters. So I play men and women and, and myself. I was, was um, going to say 13 different characters. Yeah. What sort of, niche, you know? What's, what sort um, of work do you need to put in to, 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 to make every character stand out? Well, I guess, you know, there is my niche in the, in the, is I study the craft, but it's, it's the physicality and the voice and the, um, the world of, uh, you know, the mental state and emotional state of that character, you know, and after you do it for so long, it, it really becomes second nature, you know, you just become a comedian on stage and you slip from one into the other, you know, and I think that's what audiences love to see, you know, they see me go from a sleazy sugar daddy um, <laughs> I want to see you go from a Portuguese mother to a sangoma <laughs> Exactly, it's all in there, you know, the South African characters are all in there and the it's just, it's such a fun show, you know, people are really, but I think what separates it from your normal comedy thing is that um, there's an emotional journey that the that the character goes on and, and the, the audience really gets carried on that, you know, they, they see themselves and I hold up a magnifying glass to our embarrassing foibles, you know, where we're looking so hard for love and, and we all want it, you know, in every aspect, whether it's you know, the, the seeking enlightenment in an ashram in India or, um, you know, trying to get that rock on your finger, you know, and your clock is ticking and um, it's all in there. It's just jam-packed with, with, with every, everything we could think about when but it comes to dating. Sonia, isn't love overrated? I mean, finding, Never, the, finding, finding, <laughs> finding the one. Isn't that overrated? I mean, really? I think it's, I think it's, it's our blueprint, you know, we, you know, we, we seek it when we're teenagers right through till when we're the granny and grandpa, we want to procreate, we, we need to feel loved and be loved and to give love, it's, 
it's in us, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I agree, but I'm, I'm saying this: what, what we, we, we dream about in finding the one is what makes it difficult for us to find the one, because you know we're not too, we're not realistic about it. We're always looking for that perfect picture that you know has, has been sold to us, and I think that's what Love and Prozac is about: looking for that perfect picture. Uh, correct, yes. It's about the Hollywood ending that we think exists, mm, you know, and, mm. and having incredibly high expectations from partners that we meet, you know, and we, we diss them and we, we, we have, um, we very quickly cut people out because, um, of, uh, you know, the, these insane expectations, uh, that just can't be met. And I think in the show, the character goes, through that journey of, you know, we really laugh at her at, at the, the, the the crazy things she expects from guys. But, um, uh, you know, it comes full circle when you need to, you know, ground yourself. And I think that's about learning who you are and uh, what really matters at the end of the day, you know, because really when your clock is ticking and you still haven't found someone, your your giant list of what you're looking for gets whittled down very quickly, you know. <laughs> then you're waiting uh, for somebody's partner to die most of the time. <laughs> Essentially, yes. <laughs> but listen, uh, do you yeah. do, do you enjoy the stage as much as television? I, um, you know, theatre is my first love, and it's just you can be so bold on it. You know, in television, I can't go and play thirteen characters mm. in one hour. Mm. You know, that's impossible. Uh, film is a whole other craft, and I love it. And I'm actually. Uh, shifting gears into that medium more, you know, I'm busy developing a screenplay and, and shooting a lot of stuff now. Um, I think that film has a much more, it's a much broader appeal and international appeal. So it exposes me and my craft mm. to, um, you know, overseas investors and, and stuff like that. Whereas theater is, you know, it's got a smaller reach, mm. uh, but it is much more intimate. Um, I mean, this show is geared for an international run, and we're busy developing the TV series. Uh, there's an, a Brazilian producer who saw it and just like totally believes in the product, you know. So I think that there's spin-offs mm-hmm. from doing either film or theater. You can branch off into each other, and it's great. Mm, I'm glad it's going to be going to Brazil. It's a pity you couldn't make the World Cup, eh? Well, we try for that, but, uh, you know, the team of writers, you know, we're all working on it and, and we really believe in the product and we just, we're taking our time to make it something really great as opposed to rushing to mm-hmm. try and fit it into something and then it's sloppy and, and not, not high quality. Is your Portuguese very, very, very good? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of practice. I just speak to my parents, you know, and they live in Portugal now, so it's a bit rusty. But, you know, once I get going, um, uh, you know, it gets oiled up again. Uh, but, you so know, you I, I, wouldn't, I feel very you would, you wouldn't perform it in Portuguese then in, in Brazil? Um, you know, we'd have snippets of it, yes. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, there's, there's a family life that we've written into, into the show, into the TV series version. Um, so of course that will be, there will be bits of it that will be in Portuguese and that I can totally handle, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, now yeah. tell, tell me, um, uh, Love and Prozac, who, uh, mm. are, are, is it, is it rated at all or can the whole family come? Oh no, it, it is rated. It's the, the strong language. It, it's very, it's a naughty, uh, pretty racy comedy in mm-hmm. some parts, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, we suggest uh, 16, uh, 16 year, years. 
Okay. Um, and what time know. does it start? It starts at 8.15. It's at the Baxter, the Golden Arrow Studio. Mm-hmm. And um, it's an hour long. And, you know, there's a lovely bar downstairs so you can enjoy yourself and socialize. And, yeah. and how much a ticket? Tickets are 150 rand. They scope between 100 and 150. And Mondays we have a special for anyone who's feeling the pinch. It's a buy one, get one free. Oh, fantastic. That's yeah. Monday until, until the end of the run, eh? Every Monday. Correct. Uh, yeah, and that ends on the 31st of May. Okay. Now, I wish you all the best, and thank you so much for joining us, and good luck with Love and Prozac. Thank you. Are you, are you, also, are you also looking for the one still? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so over that. <laughs> I'm, I've, I've actually taken a sabbatical from me and I think about it. <laughs> Join the club. Thank you so much. Thank you for chatting. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, man. Uh, Love and Prozac is showing at the Baxter's Golden Arrow Studios. Uh, it's running as we speak until the 31st of May. And you heard, if you're feeling the pinch, Mondays, you buy one, you get one free. I would do that if I were you. Um, when we come back, I'm talking to Zami, um, Zami Mdingi of Koda. They have their latest CD and we'll play some of the music. In fact, we'll play, we'll play that song right now and it's called, I'll tell you now, it's called Fat Boy. I like this.
<laughs> Zami, hello, welcome. Hello. <laughs> who is in love with who is in love with a fat boy, Zami? Is it you? Is it Carol? Is it who is it? Is it Gilly? Um, um, <laughs> is we can't disclose that Judy, until maybe? you find out coming to the album launch. <laughs> but it's one of us who was in love with a fat boy, and um, I mean the many situations that we have written songs about. Mm. And because I mean, we'll take that little one line, and then the other person will actually expand it, and then throw the song to another level, even if it's not their problem. And then somebody else writes about that problem. <laughs> so, um, Fat Boy is actually one of us. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a beautiful song, but I cannot stop listening to your voice. You've got such an amazing, <laughs> strong voice, Zami. Yeah, I mean, it's grown. I mean, you've known me for singing yes. all over in South Africa and Cape Town, you know. So I've been singing quite a lot. So, I mean, of, of course, by now it's fit. Yes, your voice has matured and very beautifully. Now, you're launching, you. you're launching the CD today. Yes, yes, um, at Youngblood in Bree Street. The beautiful life building. Yes, yes. In Bree Street. Uh, it's number 70 to number 72. In Bruce Street. Okay, but now, yeah. disclosure, this, this CD, you say yeah. all of you had a hand in, 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 uh, in, in writing some of the songs, but w- uh. w- what's the story you're telling? Because you shared, you shared some lines here and there, but what, w- what is the story that you're telling as, as a band? Yeah, absolutely everyone has had a hand and got some responsibility to one or two of the songs. Um, it's actually the fact that we've been as, like a, the band together for the past five years. Mm-hmm. In fact, while I was there, but the boy band has been there for a while. Uh, we spent a lot of time performing around the country, doing corporate, private functions and stuff like that, traveling together. So, I mean, that much time spent together, waiting in between, you know, the sound checks mm-hmm. and long waits and traveling. That time we spend a lot of, uh, we share a lot of information about each other. Mm-hmm. We've actually grown to become friends. And because we're writing the album, so whatever line that is catch that you actually say, you know, you know, private, our own private jokes, mm-hmm. they actually expanded them to becoming songs. Uh, now, well, your, your sound has changed as, 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 uh, Coda. And you, I, I, I see there's some, some tracks here because I was listening. Some tracks have got mm. a bit of a bit of uh, hip hop and a bit of mm. rap, maybe. And I think you've taken some to to dubstep. Mm, um, yes. Is, is is was that an intention to get new listeners? I guess it's also about keeping the music fresh and keeping up with the times as well as also maintaining the classical, sophisticated vibe. Because I mean it's. Graduates here in the in the group that you know have been studying music, but we also want to keep and maintain you know the youthful and fresh sound, and it's also inspired by the producers that we've worked with, that are very young as well, that you know usually do party. There are actually DJs that attend to producers, mm-hmm. so they've also had a big hand in really freshening it up with the sound and. You know, to you know, so that we also break new ground and not sound like anybody else and be unique as a band. Mm. After the launch, uh, are you playing anywhere in you know uh, after today that that people could you know people who can't who are not invited to the launch can actually <laughs> experience? I mean, the, the, the album will be on, available. 
it's actually now available on iTunes, Coda mm-hmm. Disclosure. And then um, you can always check on our website. We always keep updates with, you know, public shows and stuff. I mean, it's winter now. Nothing mm-hmm. much is happening. Mm-hmm. But we do a lot of corporate as well, as, as you know. But we always let people know, you know, online and, and say, you're going to go there. Because they can always follow us, even on Twitter, Coda Africa. Coda Africa on Coda, Twitter. Coda Africa mm-hmm. 1. So follow us on Twitter, and then we always will say some... I mean, we're not such a treaty kind of band, but <laughs> we, we promise we'll, we'll keep it up with the... You must be a Tweedy kind of band if you want to, if you want to attract more more people to your music. But hey, are you performing tonight then at the launch? Yes, of course. I mean, all of us are here. We it's crazy. I mean, we've got uh, even guest artists that are coming, um, like the Raffest. Mm. Um, we've got some dancers, you know. Crazy, everything, and the, the venue itself is an art gallery. So it's an amazing opportunity for even anyone who's interested to like mingle and uh, you know network about the music industry. Because there's going to be a lot of producers, a lot of people that are booking agents that are going to be here, and other musicians as well. So I think if someone really wants to rap shows with the who's 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 who in Cape Town in the music business or entertainment. I think this there. is a great opportunity for okay. anyone. Mm. As long as you perform Fat Boy, I'll be there. Of course. <laughs> top, of, top of the list. <laughs> Zami, thank you so much, darling. Thank you so much. It's and, a pleasure. And, Thanks and for good, having me call, calling me. <laughs> good luck and to you all and give my love to the rest of the band. Huh? Thank you, will do. You take care. Okay, ciao. Bye-bye. I'm in love with a fat boy. Disclosure is the name of the album by Coda being launched tonight, but it's at your favorite music store right now. It's time for Nalibad.